Hi guys, welcome to Tanked Up, the weekly video game playing craft beer drinking podcast. Yay! We have returned for another week. It is I, Ben Nova, forebear (laughs) of something. (laughs) Who knows? I'm joined by Alex Malpass. It's I, Alex (laughs) Malpass. It is I, everybody. I, Alan Partridge. Uh, we're not joined by anyone else this week. We haven't got any guests. We've got no adult. No. Everyone's busy. And a sleeping dog. Uh, a now chilled out sleeping dog. Yeah. Which always helps. A good dog. So, as every week, we're going to chat about some games. I'm going to drink some beers. Some possibly good beers. Possibly. We say possibly because it's not an um, honest brew beer week this week. No, they're all drank. Probably. They're all gone. Yeah. So it's a... Tesco's week. <laughs> Didn't have time to go to the proper bottle shop, and now we went to Tesco's. So we've got some beers we haven't had before, and one beer we have that is quite good. Mm. So we've got some uh, Sharps Brewery beers. Don't know who they are, but they're from Cornwall, which is a okay sign. I mean, uh, I like proper job. That's from Cornwall. Yeah, that's not bad. So, um, I'm trying to think of the other one that I've drank. It begins with a K. It might come to me later. Yeah, okay. And uh, one of their revisionists... So Tesco's have a sort of load of beers brewed for them by Marsden's. This is one of them, which is the Saison, which we've not had before. But we did have the Steam Beer and we didn't like it that much. True. And this Saison has a lot to live up to. Yeah, it could be... Uh, Partisan-esque lemongrass saison. I saw that on Ray Beer. It only actually had something like seventy-four, which really? is not massive. That beer. Hmm. Because we've enjoyed it more than the average person rating beers. Yeah. Well, we don't know that much about saisons. I mean, true. I had low expectations for it. Mm. Mm. That's um, always good. Going with low expectations. Yeah. I saw Foster's has four percent on there, which is great. <laughs> Um, what's the other beer we've got? Uh, the other beer is a Metropolitan Brewing Company, Optical Infusion Golden oh, Ale. Clever name. Um, and that one is exclusively for Tesco's as well. Optical Infusion doesn't really mean anything, though, does it? What nope. they put eyes in the brew? Is that why it's? <laughs> what's it got to do? It just sounds like optical illusion. Mm, this one's really tasty. What's it made with? <laughs> just Corneas. pure eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Which one are we going to start with? I think we have to start with the Saison. We've got a, a Saison a, a Golden Ale, um, a red IPA and a pale ale. So it's got to be Saison Golden Pale IPA. Yeah. And if we've got room, then we'll have the Goose Island. The India Pale Ale. Yeah. The one we've both had before. Which we is we'd pick an extra standard. One. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's quite nice. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. You get it in a lot of bars at the moment. Yeah. It's trendy. It's like a Sierra Nevada, but slightly different. Mm. Okay, sweet. Let's crack open this Saison. Yeah, let's do it. (coughs) It's in a massive bottle. Was it 500? Not massive. So, this does have a lot to live up to. But, 
I'm being hopeful. Sweet, sweet hope. My dreams might be hopeful dashed hope. against the rocks. Cornish rocks. <laughs> of dishope. <laughs> Not hope. Ooh, it's very light. It's quite light. It's kind of ambery. It looks, it looks like a lager. It does. Uh, it's just as heady as a lager as well, isn't it? It smells a bit weird. Mmm, it smells quite sweet. I don't know whether that's just the fizz of the carbonation as well going up my nose. It does. It smells. Yeah, it smells kind of orangey. Yeah, a little bit. That's. It almost tastes like lager. Yeah, there's not much to it. No. A very soft lager. I don't know what to say. I, mean, I don't have anything. There's not a to huge say amount of flavour, is there? You'd probably like it if you weren't like. I mean, if you if if someone said, "Oh, what you normally drink, Fosters? Try one of these," you'd probably go, "That's all right." Yeah, yeah. It I would think be so. like uh, drinking an IPA for the first time and going, "What the fuck is that hops? What are you talking about?" Mm. This is just like, "Nah, it's all right." So, if you like lager, something different to try if you wish to branch out slightly. It's kind of got a like <clears throat> bubble gum thing going on in it in the background which is esters of the yeast mm, I think that's, that's the sweetness that's coming <clears throat> through isn't it yeah it might be that I once had an IPA that was um, I don't know how they managed to do it but they, it, it was as if they'd managed to dry hop it with bubble gum because it just smelled exactly like bubble gum and I don't know what, what that flavour is I guess kind of maybe banana-y sort of thing but it's, Classic like bun, um, bubble gum flavour. Yeah, um, and then just drank like a normal IPA, but the smell was just like doesn't smell like hops. It's like it just opened some penny sweets, something, something. slightly yeah, yeah, like yeah, foam shrimps or something. Mm. Mm. So, I suppose I shall begin <coughs> one of the games I have been playing. One of them. One of them. I've got two. Okay. Although one of them is a game that I played a lot of, and I'm going to talk a bit more about. Um, <laughs> but um, so it's the Steam Summer Sale yeah. at the moment. Uh, and I picked up the Banner Saga uh, from Stoic, um, the developer. And it's a almost, I suppose the best way to try and describe it is it, uh, sort of a strategy game. But you get all the, at least the battles um, and the, the, the small encounters that you have are very um, strategic based, um, turn based. You're on an isometric sort of grid system and you're taken into instances. But the story runs through almost like a book mm-hmm. um, and almost like a, a choose-your-own-adventure sort of book. So, uh, as I understand, the story is always the same, but you get key points within that story where you make certain decisions. So what's the setting, is it? What? Um, it's a uh, sort of like a Viking Norse-type setting. You have um, uh, humans and um, giants that inhabit the world. Uh, both live in, you know, they coexist as such. So you might get some human settlements with a couple of giants in, or some giants. Um, and at the moment, I'm, uh, I've experienced um, two different stories. So one is a, a caravan of um, giants going back to their capital, taking the 
humans. Caravan of giants. Yeah, so uh, they're on the sort of the march back to their um, a convoy, their capital, a convoy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the other story is um, uh, a few humans fleeing their village from this like ancient enemy, which is called the Dredge, which have suddenly appeared, and they're then travelling to a, another walled town to try and get away from them because these things just come in and destroy everything and mm-hmm. kill everybody. So I've almost got two different sort of convoys uh, moving. That's how the story is told. You move between different um, towns. There's different things that happen within the towns. You get a lot of decision-making. So a lot of the dialogue is told through nice um, animated um, sort of story scenes. So it will just be a, a nice coloured drawing of one of these giants and he'll be chatting and then it'll switch to another um, image of of one of the humans when they're chatting and things and it switches between them and they're slightly animated so that you can tell that the wind's blowing in the background because the toggles on their tops might move or their their hair flows very slightly Mm -hmm. Um, which is nicely done because it's all text dialogue so it's not spoken for most of it you um, so you're, you're constantly pulled towards the text. So the screens that those texts are on don't need to be massively interactive. They don't need to be really heavily animated. So is it better that you have to read through? I quite like it when someone reads it out loud as well. I think I if mean, someone was reading it out loud, I wouldn't quite be as invested in it. So I'm getting into through because it is almost like reading a book, mm. more so than having a story told to you. Um, and I think with, if, if someone was, if they were just using spoken dialogue um, and you had a narrator or something which you do have some parts which are narrated as your view is on the screen when something is happening so they've got almost a balance between it being a story which you read you get into you then make decisions based on what's going on in that story so um, one of the early decisions you come along uh, to a town and um, you basically stop off there for a couple of days you move on to go back to this walled city and a couple of pre- people approach you from the town saying, we want to come with you. We know the dredger. You, you said that these guys are coming. We want to leave. We've got a load of the villagers that want to come with us. Uh, and then the village elder turns up and says, no, we don't, we're not going anywhere. You guys, are, you're talking shit, basically. We don't believe you. We're going to stay here. You all need to stay to, to work the fields. Otherwise, we'll all die of starvation. Hmm. Uh, and it's up to you. You get something like five different decisions, one of which is I'm not, I'm staying out of this. Decide it between yourselves. One of which was side with one group side with the other group and another couple of options which explored more of um, the story um, and basically the, the decision that I made took me into a battle between myself, the people I'd chosen and against the other So you the chose to take the group out of the village? So I cho- yeah, I, I basically said to these guys, you can come if you want to come with us, you can come with us and not, I'm sat there thinking to myself, well this is the, obviously that's the correct decision because these things are coming but you're going to stay here and die so there's a possibility that if I pick this option, this elder might have turned around and said, okay, yeah, we, I understand you're really good at putting your point across. Let's we'll, all we'll come, come with, with you, you. Yeah. Um, which didn't happen. And it, and it turned into a battle. Uh, and as I said, the battles are on um, an isometric sort of tile based system. They're turn based. So each person, each character on that takes a turn and you've got a group of up to six people which you can move around the battlefield. Um, one of the good, or one of the nice things about the battle system is the difference between giants and humans. So giants take up four squares, and humans only take up one. So it means that giants can be encountered from any side by 
two people, so they could be actually attacked by eight humans, mm-hmm. um, whereas the humans could only be attacked by four and, and things like that. So it gives you very various different tactical um, sort of paths to take in in each of these encounters, and whether you take a giant with you, whether you take four humans and two giants, and you can you can mix and match. Uh, and a lot of these characters have different classes as well. So some of them are ranged fighters, some of them are melee fighters. Um, so what are the people? You're, so the is it dredge? Yeah, I think the the enemy is called the dredge. So have you encountered them yet? Yeah, they they turned up um, quite early on, but in very small. So I only had to fight one of them and because my characters were quite low level. It seemed like this thing was pretty tough. And what sort of like entity was it? Um, so it's. Um, uh, I had one, so they, they're almost like a, a suit of armour with a dark presence to them, I suppose. So like a Nazgul? Almost, but they're sort of more, yeah, a Nazgul armoured, yeah, sort of. Yeah. They're much more almost machine-like, okay. so they've almost got sort of big torsos and tiny little legs and giant helmets, and some of them carry shields, and you know they've got various classes in them as well. Um, one of the encounters I've had... Um, was between uh, with a, a group of these dredge and some of them as well are four tiles large so they're the same size as giants and some of them are a bit smaller and sort of more human size so you're not always fighting the same type of enemy as well which brings another good point into it who you match up you know which whether you send all of your humans against one of these larger guys to surround them and get more attacks against them whether you send one of your giants in who maybe does a little bit more damage mm. um, but you're not getting anywhere near as many attacks on them and, and it's it's really sort of dynamic in the way that it works as well. So it's <clears throat> it's a, a nice battle system and as I said, I feel like I'm getting invested within the story because it's quite nicely written. I have to say there are a few um, text errors <laughs> really? in some of what? the dialogue. Spelling errors? Um, yeah, a few spelling Grammatical errors. Is it a full game? It's not uh, it is a full game. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I think it started oh, off as a Kickstarter project, um, and I think it's made by about three or four people. Is it like made by a Japanese production company or something that have had it Google translated? I don't know. I don't know where Stoic are from, um, so I don't know whether it's the name would suggest that they're Greek, but I'm assuming that they're not. It would. The setting would suggest that maybe they're. Sort of when you first started describing it to me, it was like thinking, oh, it sounds like a Homeric epic or something, where like you've got these like giants, like it, the oh, cyclopses, yeah, yeah. and you're sort of like they're trying to get home or whatever. Is that mm. what it's, I mean, are you? So your character isn't from. Like, what are you doing? You're just so. Uh, so at the moment, um, so one of the the convoys <clears throat> was um, you start off as one of the giants. Well, you're not, you're not one of the giants. You see it from their point of view for a moment before it then switches to a point of view of one of the other characters. Okay, so you're like... So you're almost the group. Not just one character. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, but they're on, a, they're on an epic journey to go somewhere. So yeah, so, so uh, the, 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 yeah, the first one that I was was just a tax collector going around all of the towns levying the tax to take back to the, the king. Um, and then he meets up with this other caravan who are a group of other giants escorting the prince... Of one of the other lands, so a human prince, to the um, to the capital to, to pay respects to the king because the um, giants prince had done the same. They just they were coming back from the human settlement to hmm. to do that and such, um, and it, it it sort of changes throughout. So the dialogue's quite good at, at pulling you into different situations. And, um, so there's almost three 
um, different stages of the, the game. So you've either got a, a screen where the caravan is moving, so you're on your journey. Um, various things happen, so you might get a, you might stop suddenly and you get a thing of dialogue where some guy in the camp has got drunk and you have to decide what to do with him. Um, and just for example, I basically made him apologise to everyone for being drunk. Um, <laughs> and later on, he got drunk again. Whereas one, one of the previous, in the previous encounter, I could have sent him away or beaten the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. And then it would have changed that next instance. You know, he may not have been there for that to happen. So it's quite dynamic, I think. And well, I've not played it massively yet. So I don't know, I don't seem or don't feel that I've made any big decisions yet, which mm-hmm. may have a lasting impact. Um, I know <clears> we started talking again, as we have done previously, about sort of moral choices in games. But this one almost seems like I'm making the decision. You're not pulled in any way. And, and there seems not, at the moment, there doesn't seem to be much benefit in. Well, so those, any of these the decisions you've decisions. described so far haven't seemed like they're obviously moral. Like, okay, I mean, maybe that's what moral choices are like: is that they're not often obvious which mm. one's the right one and the wrong one. But like, when when you're choosing how to respond to uh, the situation that some guys want to join you, but the elder of the village says they shouldn't. I mean, you said it's really obvious that they should come and join, but I mean. Is it, it didn't seem to me that it was. I mean, you're assuming that this more of a, yeah, more of a perspective sort of. Yeah, I, I, from reading the story and seeing the scenes previously, I, that's the, the expectation that I had yeah. that the dread would turn up and kill everybody. So they should come with us, as such. Because I was thinking about like how there were genuine. Um, so like the periods in history that are quite similar to that, like yeah. um, Attila the Hun mm. or Genghis Khan. Or maybe the German army going through um, Russia in the Second World War, where there's like this genuine situation. I mean, like so, take like the Mongols, for instance, and then they're attacking, like pouring through some bit of China, and just as they come to some town or village or something, uh, like the first one they come up to, don't know who they are, and are like, "Fuck you! We're not going to just give you our stuff. Let's draw the drawbridge up or whatever and have a fight." get utterly destroyed and, and as this goes on like year after year just killing everybody um, you'd get some towns and whatever which would just be like oh the other Mongols oh we've heard about you well we just let you come in yeah, don't yeah. Mean, no, no beef here yeah. kind of thing and then they'd have all their stuff taken and a load of them killed anyway and stuff like that and and so you think well would we run away from them then instead like neither resist nor give in but run away that's the other option and then mm. Then you're just letting them have all of your stuff, and then yeah. they'll probably find you out in the in the field anyway. Well, well, one of the like, yeah, one of the, the dialogue points were this one of the characters you see the point of view from as such saying, what, you know, what do we do? Do we just let them have all of our stuff? Do yeah. we just abandon our town which we've lived in for years and built up? And that, that, that's our life over as as we knew it. Yeah, that is it. It's gone. So, yeah, I suppose it seems to be telling quite a well thought out story. Um, and the decisions back that up. But I mean, like then, <clears throat> so if with them, if you resisted, they would fuck you up more than if you didn't. Had I had a choice to stay, I imagine it would have jumped into a battle scene, right, and right. whether it would have then jumped into another battle scene and another battle scene. To you but know. then you've got these other examples in history of like um, Julius Caesar when he um, crosses over the. Um, the Rubicon River, you know the phrase crossing yeah, yeah. the Rubicon River, like 
it's him moving from the province that he's controlling into Italy that no nobody controlled. Like, mm. It was like free kind of, um, and by but by doing that he was like, uh, essentially saying that he's attacking Rome or whatever, and like making this big statement and, and whatever. It doesn't matter. But like, point is that when he came to like towns and stuff. Um, if they like put up resistance, I think it was like the first one he came up to that put up some resistance, and he like overcame it, but then was really generous and and like yeah, I forgive you, it's fine. And even mm. if you want to go and join the enemy guys and we fight again later, I don't mind that either. I'm just like I'm so cool that you know it doesn't even matter to me. And loads of people loved him for that. So yeah. like, you don't know necessarily who what your enemy's going to be like before they come and. And by the time they're true. doing it, it's too late. Because you're like, oh, you're one of those guys who's going to kill me. Well, now I've changed my mind. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to be a resisting guy. But you can't know that until they're already attacking you. So it seems like a difficult... I mean, like it, I like the fact that you've got the decisions and you've essentially got a tree of choices that you can navigate your way up. Mm. But I like the fact that it's not moral because yeah. you don't know what the value of true. the choices are. Because yeah, like yeah. sometimes when it's like, do I, you know murder the innocent baby or give him a million pounds or something. It's just like, it's boring, it's really obvious, you'll do the bad thing or the really, really good thing. Mm. You know, that, that sort of tedious moral dilemma. It's not really a dilemma, it's just a choice. Yeah. So, so, so it's better in the sense that it's not moral. Mm. It's so I'm still, I'm still objecting to morality in games <laughs> with a different, slightly different take on Perhaps it. Perhaps the Banner Saga is not quite that kind of game. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, yeah, then yeah. it fits my... My stand, my good today's standard. Mm, <laughs> my mm. adult will probably have something to say about this. I <laughs> imagine. Um, uh, and the final section of the game is sorry, massive detail. Right, I just yeah, jumped yeah. in there. Yeah. Is when you um, stop and camp, or you come to one of these towns, and you and again you stop your <clears> journey <throat> at one of these places. You've then got different things that you can do, such as talk to various different characters to get their thoughts on what's going on. You can go to a market to buy items, which you can then put on your characters, which gives them bonuses within battle and, and things like this, or rest or level up your hero. So you've got almost a sense of a sort of some RPG elements in there as well, uh, more traditional sort of RPG elements as well as the decision making and being the characters and all these. Uh, so have you got individual like heroes or whatever that you're? Yeah, so it seems to specifically be telling the story at the moment of two groups of people, and in one group I've got about five characters, which it cycles between their points of view, and in the mm-hmm. other group I've got maybe four, which it, it right, right. sort of looks at their. But they're not just generic, giant generic archer. Or whatever. No, no, they're named sort of characters yeah, yeah. which keep coming up through the. the stories and you do take them they're the characters you take into battle with you as well mm-hmm. so you don't just have giant one yeah. although he could you know, could be giant one he just says some stuff and he fights <laughs> some people you know. um but they are they are building the characters and mm-hmm. you know they've <clears> obviously <throat> scripted it in a way that each of these characters has very different views on what they should be doing and so you might say we're going to do this and one of them turns around and goes well i don't think we should i think we should do this instead and you can then mm. you know make another choice and say, well, either come with us and do it, or don't, don't you know, don't worry about it. Um, so yeah, it, it, it. I think I've only scratched the surface of it. So I, you know, I've explored quite a lot of the mechanics, I think, already, and seen almost all it's got to offer in terms of what I'm going to be doing. But just the expansive story, and I do like my story-based games. You do, yeah. So how much was this game? Um, this was in the Steam Summer Sale for three pound fifty. Nice. So what was that? Uh, I think down from uh, down from maybe fifteen quid. Yeah, fine. Um, and it's been out for a while. Uh, I think it came out 
possibly very early last year. So, I mean, <clears throat> there's lots of games on the Steam sale at the yes. moment, yes, which do. are absolute fucking steals. Yeah. No, right. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's good. One that I should play if I don't go back to The Witcher Three, if I don't go back to Pillars of Eternity, <laughs> and all of these other story-based giant RPGs that I got to play. Uh, so if you had to give it an arbitrary number out of ten, just for the sake of it, um, I think it'd be quite high. I think I'd be looking towards the. I think I'd be looking towards the eights. Eight, really? But eight the dire, but the, the text sort of uh, and a few mistakes in the text <laughs> dragged it down a little bit the 7.8 so possibly like 7 yeah 7.5 maybe 7.5 like okay fair enough I don't know I've never really given anything a score before no, so it's no, difficult to let's just to put it against arbitrarily introduce a score I'm enjoying it okay I'll cool. say that yeah. and at £3.50 yeah. that was absurd and if you're listening to this on the day or a few days after we release it it may come back up at the end of the Steam Summer Sale to be able to be purchased again for for £3.50 at the price of a pint yeah if you're in London yeah the price of a shitty half pint in London <laughs> gutted right should we drink another beer yeah so what a golden golden ale yeah I think so yeah the Metropolitan Brewing Company who I've never heard of before no I haven't either doesn't sound like a real brewery sounds like a like it sounds like it's registered in the Cayman Islands just for tax purposes or something. Just for Tesco's. <laughs> yes, we're the Metropolitan uh, Brewing Company. That's a genuine company, not just a PO box. Well, which metropolitan area are you in? Well, um, all of them. Every single one. I'm meta metropolitan. <laughs> metropolitan. Just not in China. These Tesco's have failed. I heard that they make most of their money on the Asian market. Do they? Yeah. Right. So this looks exactly the same colour. as the like, same Yeah. Yeah. Beer. beer. Actually, no, it's slightly, it's slightly uh, paler, I would say. That's very floral. Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah. Not quite knowing there is carbonated. Uh, it smells alcohol- more alcoholic, mm. actually. It's a kind of, almost smells like, um, it's got like a notes of sherry in the background. Yeah, it has. It's got yeah. that in the taste as oh, well. Jesus. Oh yeah, that's quite a pronounced. I quite like that though. It's really smooth. It is very smooth. Uh, yeah, it, it's quite alcoholic, almost. Yeah. What's the ABV on that? Five point five. So it's actually not that alcoholic. No. But it really tastes like it is, which is bizarre. I don't know why that is. It, it tastes boozy, definitely. I, I feel like it's as a fizzy sherry. It does have in it blended whiskey. Ah, uh, right, that must be what so it is. So that'll be what it is. Yeah. Right, that that <laughs> makes sense now, yeah. It's not bad. It's a bit I nicer like than the Saison. Yeah. Although I've got to say that Saison went down a lot better towards the end. I was like, yeah, this is maybe it's just the flavour building. It did go down better, but it didn't improve massively, I don't no. think. But I'm mean, trying to be fair to it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, I was a bit like, oh, this is boring. And then after a couple of, like, about halfway through. <laughs> The shared, like, beer that we had then, I was like, yes, it's, it's better than it was. Mm. So it's, I think it's kind of like uh, two types of beer 
this beer that like <laughs> actually that this is a really stupid I was going to say something really stupid then, but this beer that improves as you drink it and beer that doesn't improve as you drink okay. it but what I've done then is just you split everything up into something and not that thing which is obviously true for anything that you pick but what I mean is uh, yeah some beers at least they, they start off being like uninteresting or like not as interesting as you hope they'd be and then by the end of it, you're like, right now I get it. And I think that the flavour has to like build up mm. or something. And when there's enough of it in your mouth or something, when the, when the flavour receptors in, in your tongue and stuff have, have had enough of it, they, they kind of, um, they begin to get on board with it. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I like this now. You, you come around to it almost. Yeah. 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 So and the, there are beers that are developers mm. that you have to get there. And I, yeah, I would, I'd sort of give that as a somewhat of a developer. Yeah, I, I wonder whether this one will be as well. It's quite a... Well, I like this anyway, to begin with. Because it's got an interesting taste. Mm. I mean, it's like... Interesting is definitely a word you can use. Yeah, it's got that whiskey flavour, but it's also got something like... Um... See, like that last one was supposed to be Belgian. Like, it says Belgian, revisionist Belgian on it. Whereas this it seems to me like it's almost got a Belgian pale thing, quite faintly. Yeah. Mixed with a little bit of whiskey taste, which is why it sort of tastes more like sherry than mm. whiskey. Well, at least that's what I thought it was. To be yeah, honest. yeah. But you, you, it, I mean, what that that first smell was was very much sort of more of a sherry sort of. Yeah. I had a really nice beer by um, I think they're called Six Degrees North. Yeah, they're an Aberdeen-based brewers, I think, and I had a. Um, a beer of theirs in Edinburgh over the weekend that was a Belgian pale ale and it was really really good I know I mean I like Bel- I like genuine Belgian beer um, and it's a really complicated style to reproduce I mean Belgian isn't a style but the pale ale type that they were reproducing then was obviously like the um, the pale rock for whatever it is six or something that's really really good mm. um, I think we had the 8 one day when I drunkenly came back from the beer and so I think you and Adol had the uh, yeah, had the 8 yeah or maybe it's the 10 I don't know whichever there's there's one that's like kind of pale and, yeah. and then the, the other one that I had been preferring was the dark one that has like strawberries and raspberries and all these amazing like cinnamon and stuff and it's mm. really perfectly balanced but then the the paler one was like less intense. But but I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's, it's like it's a very distinctive style. Once you've had a couple of those, you'll like always see that as like a Belgian sort of stamp of like style. Mm. And this beer, I wasn't really expecting it to have that, and um, and it just did. It just like gave me what I was looking for. So I really enjoyed it. Quite. Yeah, I'm talking more about that beer than I am this beer. Which is like <laughs> a great sign. Isn't it? Like, oh well. So six degrees north. Anyway, they seem like a good brewery. I'm recommending right now. Fair. Um, you're so, gonna ask me what I played. Yeah, I am gonna ask you what you played. I completed the Hector demo, and it was enjoyable enough to buy the full game. Yeah. On the Steam sale for three pound seventy, whatever, <laughs> down from fifteen quid. So I'm quite happy with that. Um, you actually watched me complete it. I did. Um. So uh, the demo is great. I mean, as demos go, sometimes it's just like a little, you know, twenty minutes worth of game or something. 
Um, well, I could have run through this like the reviewer who was slagging it off reckoned he'd done it in half an hour or something. Mm. Um, there was a good couple of hours of of gameplay to be had and gave you a really good idea of what the game uh, has. I guess the full game is probably going to develop the storyline and um, which will make the detail of what's happening scarier, I guess. I, I can't imagine there'll be that much change in the game dynamics. No, you were in a... Yeah. The, the game took you to a slightly different setting, didn't it? What, at the end? For part the very of it. End. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, spoiler alert, obviously, if you want to play this game, then, and I recommend that you do, if you like first-person horror. I mean, I've never really come across, this as a little sidebar, but I've never really come across the horror genre of gaming, like, until, I guess, until we played PT yeah. the other day. Uh, I think it's been around quite uh, a while, but almost... Um, as exposition for something else, so you get some sort of first-person shooters uh, like Fear, things like that, which are um, it has a horror setting, such as something like Resident Evil. Yeah, um, which yeah, is that's a, fair almost a horror sort of setting, but it's not a it's not a horror experience as such. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas something like Hector and PT are a, a, an experience. Really, mm. you are living in that horror. Moment, but it wasn't like a shoot 'em up game, like say Doom, where it's much it's, more atmospheric. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was it. So it's the difference between watching Alien and Aliens. Yeah, yeah, like, completely. I mean, it, one of them makes you scared and jump, and the other one's just like, yeah, fucking kill that motherfucker. Yeah, whatever. So anyway, um, uh, so what was I saying about how the ending of Hector was different? Uh, it's though? a different setting. So yeah, so okay, spoiler alert. Yeah. Um <laughs> so you <clears throat> you essentially have to find a key card to get out of the bit of level that you're stuck mm-hmm. in. And when you eventually do that, you uh open this lock previously locked door and go into another room. Um and then you kinda of, like it's kind of like everything goes black. Um it's almost like you get hit over the head or something. Mm. And then you sort of like like our out of body experience seeming like you're going down a passageway or something. Uh, and anyway, you you kind of come to and um, you're in a completely different setting from the decaying mental asylum that you're in before to a kind of red velvet cloaked kind of almost curtained walls, aren't yeah. they? It was almost like um, like another maze style level layout. But everything was red velvet curtains. Um, it massively contrasted to yeah the, uh, the asylum sort of setting. Completely. And then there was some weird like loudspeaker guy saying stuff about how he was welcoming you back, and it's been ages since he's seen you or something. And it was. I kind of felt like am I is this the afterlife or am I in the waiting room before I get to the afterlife or something? It was weird. Um, we didn't know what was going on. We kind of found, navigated our way through a couple of other rooms, opened up a couple of doors or something, and then some motherfucker walks around the corridor and just shoots me with a shotgun, and it was like, boom, <laughs> but you're out done, of nowhere dead. as well. We're yeah. right at the corner, yeah. and suddenly this, this thing just comes around, and you just catch a glimpse of just some figure holding a gun, and then mm. you're just you're just done. So it, I liked that. That yeah. was good. Yeah. I like dying. It'd that. be good to see. So that was a very good point for the demo to end. Yeah. So it'd be good to see how it 
takes you from there. Whether you know whether the, the guy still comes around the corner and shoots but misses and runs off, and you continue on, or whether that's a a, a point. So previously, you had points where this beast would come out of the you know would come down a corridor towards you yeah, or something. Yeah. We we're not really sure how that's triggered. Whether you spent too long in a room, whether well, you backtracked too much. Well, actually, no, that's not true. The, okay. Um, there was one point where you can die in the demo. Yeah. And it's there's one room you can go in, and if you go left, it comes and kills you. And if you don't go left and go right instead, then you just avoid it. Oh, right. Okay. So it's not uh, randomly triggered, and you don't have to die there if you don't want to. Mm. So I did get to the bottom of that. Because twice it killed me, and then the third time... I was like on a plane or on a tram or something playing it, and I was like heartbeat was racing. It was stupid because like I'd seen it already. I knew what yeah, the, you it's knew the what same like, yeah. as what was going to happen before, but I I knew it was going to happen, and so I was like, I don't want to die. I don't. I'm just not going to go there. I'm just going to see what happens in the rest of the room. But I know like, oh, a door, a corridor. In fact, I, I keep going down it and see what happens. And then blah blah. blah. And I just was like five minutes later, I was like, oh, I didn't die there. I avoided him. So you don't have to die. Mm. So that was cool. So maybe it's yeah, it's sort of in the, the same sort of instance. You know, we'd explored all of the possibilities of corridors as we were moving through the, the newer section mm. um, to then come up for the, the demo to end. And it's possible that if we'd just gone straight there, it, you know, in the demo, it may still have happened anyway because that's how they ended the demo. Oh, sorry, were you talking about the guy at the end who killed me? Uh, no, no, no. So I was talking about so, the beast yeah, that came uh, out. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But going back to the guy at the end of the demo. Yeah. Whether that is a similar sort of thing, so maybe you don't take a left and go back on a loop around yourself, or whether so maybe. maybe, although because it ended the demo, yeah, that's what I'm it saying. So, like it's so, more likely that that yeah, has to happen, yeah. isn't it? In the main game, maybe it uh, it opens it up a, a little bit more. I've got to say, if I was going to complain about it, the guy who comes and kills you in the room where you go left instead of right, yeah, um, it was kind of like it was a bit shit when you, I mean, because like the first time I saw it. I was like, ah, and like, you know, <laughs> actually running away as fast as I could. But the second time, I like sort of stepped backwards, and it seemed to get stuck on a bit of the furniture in the room, like this table or whatever. It couldn't get around it, <laughs> so I could just stand there and look at it. Fooled like, by furniture. Yeah, which is not great. I mean, it's a demo, so fair enough. But like, it's not great if, like, you know. Entities in games can't like navigate realistically around objects and just yeah. get stuck because they're going in a straight line and a pixel that prevents them from moving forward. So just that lack of realism is annoying. But I got it meant I got a good look at what the character looked like and he had like tentacles and like weird. And I was kind of just thinking like it's scarier when you can't see exactly what it is that's mm. fucking you up. Like. The more detail you can get to see, the more you're like. Well, and I suppose a lot of that first level in the asylum is based on your your vision being so limited mm. that the darkness isn't your friend. Yes, exactly. And then and so when you saw stuff like what was really good in PT that was also used in this was um, like flickering lighting. Yeah. So in like you know if there's like three flickers on this fluorescent light bulb, it's just in the middle one. You get in, so it's like nothing, and then picture of weird woman standing there looking sketchy, then blackness, and then another flicker, and she's not there again. Like that's sketchy, and then that happened a couple of times in sort of things like that in PT, where um, there's a bit in particular where you open a door, and it's always sketchy opening the doors in that game. It just looks creepy. Yeah, yeah. And um, 
And then, yeah, there was this woman, like, sitting on a box or something and then disappeared when the light flicked back on. And you have to go there. Like, you have to just walk straight into the bit. And it was, that was good. I like that. <laughs> so sometimes the, the scaredness is in what you don't know. Mm. And when it's too obvious and in front of you, and you're like, oh, that's what it looks like then. And you can sort of take a taxonomy of it and, like, yeah, measure it and yeah. see what it looks like. Well, then it's not scary anymore. True. And you know that the next time you go into that room, if it does trigger you've just got to start back where you were and actually in, you've seen what's killed you now as such you know yeah. what the entity is so it's again yeah. that's why the best game really would be the one like we came up with the other day where you can only play it once ever yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and everything's just a flash and an example and you don't really ever see anything just for the oh yeah <laughs> the bus turns up cool. should we <clears throat> jump onto another beer yes it's pale yeah Cool. So Sharps Brewery, um, an exceptional pale ale. So they suggest. Methinks the lady doth exceptionalise too much. <laughs> if you're exceptional, it's Atlantic. You don't need to say that you are. That's very true. Atlantic. I'm assuming that that means it's an American style pale ale. Okay. Which means it should be hoppy, not just bitter. Mm. Distinction. So let's see if that's the case. Like it should be like. So a I'm Sierra thinking Nevada a bit more like Sierra Nevada, Nevada yeah. like the founders. There we go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm, a little darker than the last. A little darker, yeah. Not massively. <clears throat> but definitely, the uh, uh, we're getting more towards a an ale sort of colour. Yeah, I guess. It's kind of orange. Hmm. Oh, it smells. There are definitely some hops there. Mm-hmm. Silence. Yeah. <laughs> smell. These are the ones smell. that we're the, the strange. The beers that we buy from Tesco's are the ones that we scrutinise the most. <laughs> yeah, well, fuck Tesco's. We got our honest brew box. It's just like this beer must be great. This beer must be great. This beer must be great. No, we don't. We don't no, say we every don't, beer no, is no. great from them. Not every beer has been great. I've got a feeling it's going to be boring. Is it boring? I haven't tasted it yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's boring, is it? Mm. I've got to say, the smell, it's like, yes, there is hops, but I think I'm still smelling the optical infusion as much as anything. Mm, possibly. It should have had a new It glass. wasn't very hoppy, the optical infusion. But there's not much to that. Yeah, there's not much to that. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, it's alright. It just tastes like a bit... It's like if you go to one of those pubs where it's a free house, but you've never heard of anything, um, and it's somewhere in England you've never been to before, let's say. It's not going to be England, actually, but let's just say some some part of the UK that you've never been to before, but specifically in England, you'll get this type of, like, it's quite nice, the pint that I've got, but I don't want another one. Mm, I just, I'm mm. going to try something else, because I, you know... Why would I want another one of these? That's kind of what I think with this. It's there's nothing wrong with it, but it's like a five, maybe a six. Yeah, most. I mean, it almost reminds me more of something like uh, Courage Best <laughs> or a beer like that. A, a not a, a little bit more lively, not quite as flat yeah. as something like that, but um, but just, just there's not much flavour there at all. I mean, it's all hops. What you're getting? I'm not getting anything else. But no. But 
it's not hops that I can readily identify as um, US hops anyway. It's, so it's not those big sea hops like your um, your citrus or your cascades or mm. whatever that you can readily go, yeah, I, I know what I'm tasting here. There's not much citrus going on in this. No, really. not at all. It, we might find that we get further into it and we pick it up because the, the whiskey is... Um... Yeah, ruining our palate. That's true. If I'd known that was whiskey infused, I think I'd have probably put it later on in the. Bin. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming that the red IPA actually is going to be IPA, and not I like so. Green King IPA, which is just piss in a bottle. It tends to be an IPA, <laughs> actually isn't. Right. Shall I discuss? A game that everyone has already heard me discuss before, but a slightly different part of it. We could do. We've got a topic. We have got a topic. Well, we yeah, no, fuck it. You've obviously got something to do you want to say. So, so it's, only, it's only going to be quick, and it is about The Witcher. <laughs> but strangely... Just jump on the bandwagon of every fucking games <laughs> podcaster in the world right now. I've been playing the card game in The Witcher. So Joe mentioned it last week, that he'd been playing some of the card game within The Witcher. Uh, and I hadn't really touched it. Um, but I played a little bit over the weekend because there's a few quests for you to journey around and play various people at this <laughs> card game. Um, what, so it's not just poker or something? No, uh, it's uh, a card game where you have uh, various cards which have um, different values and you lay your cards up and add up their values at the end um, to get a score. Whoever gets the highest score wins. So uh, not regular cards? No, cards. no. And it's based on three... So these different cards also have different attributes as well. Um, and you've got three different... Several different kinds of cards. But the, the character cards are either um, melee, ranged, or siege. Okay. So you can have a, a melee card, which is a fighter for one of the armies. A ranged card, which is an archer, or one of the characters within the game who are normally much higher value than the other cards, which is a, a, a sorceress or a, a, an archer or something, which is a ranged. And then catapults and siege weapons and things. Um, and there's uh, an element of being able to play weather cards. If you play a weather card, it has an effect on melee fighters and reduces all of their values completely, and they're only worth one. So that can completely turn a, a battle, and if someone's playing lots Is of... Is it only melee that get affected by weather? Uh, it, no, so you've got three different types of weather, one which <clears throat> affects each of the different classes of card. So you can wait right to the end to be able to play your... I think it's called like biting frost, which stops all of the melee characters having their okay, values. So yeah, if a if a, a person you're playing has a lot of melee characters or a lot of siege characters, or, you know, they're very their deck is stacked very towards one type of of card. Well, the ranged one is like some kind of wind. Or something. Uh, ranged is fog, fog, okay. and siege is rain. And then there's another card called sunny day or clear or something, and rain? basically just clears all of the weather completely so okay, you know yeah, you can like counter that effect yeah, yeah, yeah. as well almost so um, how does rain stop a catapult or wooden i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah because wood doesn't work in catapults, the rain does it? i suppose i don't know i don't know maybe they're it's too muddy to move them perhaps fair i'll buy that yeah there we go <laughs> possibly um but yeah the, these quests have basically taken me all over the map to play various different people uh, and, and these are all the notable notable NPCs, well, some of them are. So you're playing some of the characters that you've already um, encountered within the game, mm-hmm. uh, one of which uh, is a, a, an ex-spy master who's now in one of the towns, plying his trade as a, a almost a 
a leader of a band of thieves and information people within uh, this town. And he deals with information and underhanded sort of things. And it's like, you get this quest and it just says, go and play on the cards. Hmm. And you turn back up and you've got all of these different dialogue choices that you can pick, which you've already explored previously before. Then just play Gwent, which is what the game is called. And he's like, yeah, I play. <laughs> like, shall we play? Yeah, yeah, let's play. <laughs> then you, you get into it and you play the, the Choose game. Choose some money? Um, with some of the characters, so you can play some of the other characters within the game, not the notable NPCs. So you can play blacksmiths and, and shopkeepers and various different people. Um, and that's for money. But no, normally with the NPCs, they give you one of their best cards from their deck. I don't, I've don't. i lost a few games, and I don't ever seem to have given any of my cards away. Hmm. Um, yet I seem to have gained cards from these NPCs once I've beaten them. So it's not really fair in that respect. It's more of a, a, a an aside to the, the main game. It's I suppose it's, it's thrown in to slow it down for you a little bit. If you don't want to be constantly running around fighting things or going through heavy story elements and, and you know, CG sort of So if you win a game, and, you get a card from the person who lost the game. Yeah, which you can then put into your deck. And there's four different types of decks as well, representing four. So you've got a Monsters deck, a Nilfgaardian deck, which is one of the armies, um, a Redanian deck, which is the other army, and uh, I think they're called Scoia'tael, which are almost uh, elves and dwarves. I don't know whether it, that's a region that those people have come from or, or what that is. Um, What's the difference? Between, is that a racial classification? Dwarf and elf and human and whatever? Is that, is that supposed to be... Are they different species? I suppose they must be they, different species. Can they not Did they evolve from each, from each other? I mean, they I may have evolved from each other, but to the point where they now know. can't interbreed with each other. They're now a different species. What are, what's a, a dwarf and a human sort of breed together? You get like a three-quarter... You get like a short person. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Elves? I I'm not know, sure that the originators of the fantasy genre necessarily made it compatible they with didn't quite go back that theory. far, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? I mean, whilst we're on the topic, magic, what's that? That's not, that's not <laughs> physically justifiable. But anyway, that's certainly not the point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I suppose I, I played it a little bit and when I saw the Banner Saga, I picked that up because I wanted a bit of a change of pace to what I'd been doing in The Witcher. I wanted something else just rather than riding my horse around killing stuff, which is cool, which Obviously. I am going to go back to, which I'm still going to, yeah. Um, but I'd done a lot of The Witcher contracts. I'd been putting off doing the main storyline missions to sort of tidy up a few of the secondary quests and the contracts and treasure hunts and things like this within the game. Um, it was a, one of the... Um, weekend evenings and I'm just thinking oh I just want just feel like doing something else and the other game that I've been playing which is uh, Guacamole is, is Guacamole is a great another, name for a yeah, game yeah. Um, which is the platformer I spoke about a couple of weeks ago that's another frantic sort of fast paced brawler so it's just nice to have something that's a little bit more calm mm. and just something that you can take your time over you think you know, I'm strategically thinking about the Banner Saga and the battles that I have and this, the same within Gwent, within this card game. I'm strategically thinking about how to counter cards that he's put down. It's not massively in-depth. Uh, it, it did take me a little while to get my head around. So a couple of the the, the early quests, which is play this person, play this person, play this person. And one of them's a fisherman, one of them's a soothsayer. And I just couldn't beat either of them for ages and ages and ages. And suddenly something clicked. Mm -hmm. And I, I beat both of them 
beat one of them, went straight to the other one, beat him straight away. Nice. And then just kept this chain up because because it had clicked and I understood a little bit more what I was doing and, and almost how to goad the other characters. I don't know whether the you know those characters always play in the same sort of way or whether their decks are always, you know, my version of the game might have a slightly different build of deck to somebody else's. I don't know whether that's correct or not, but... Um, I was just finding that I, I did a lot of these because I was going to this next character and just beating them. And then collecting their card, which is a, a high-value card, sticking it in my deck, um, to then go to the next person. And luckily that card then came up within my hand, which meant that I could play it at some point, which then I beat the next person, got that card from them, and, and just went through it sort of like that. Um, the game, The card game makes me think of this game that um, some French people taught me once called... Asshole, which I'm sure isn't the French name. I know what French for asshole is, but um, the premise of the game was it was like a kind of standard card game. I think you have to have four people playing minimum, but it was essentially one of those games where like everyone has to play one card each round, and like however you determine it, the best card, highest card, following mm. suit, or something like that, uh, wins that round. And then you, if you win one round, you've got like one point, and then after all the cards are done, um, figure out who's won that round by who's got the most points but uh, there was an ordering to how you had to sit right where there was a president and an asshole and a vice president and a vice asshole and the you kind of had to have the best seating for the president like the comfy armchair or whatever <laughs> at one end and then the asshole's like sitting on the floor and the vice asshole's in the like deck or, chair or something like and and then everyone else is on the sofa. Mm. Um, but it also meant that the president gives... At the beginning of each round, you deal the cards out. And then out of the seven cards that you've got, if you're the president, you give two cards that you want to give away to the asshole. Okay. The asshole yeah, yeah, has yeah. to give you something two similar to this. cards. Yeah. And, it meant, and, and the vice president and the vice asshole do the same but with one card. And it meant that, like... Once you become the asshole, it's really hard not to stay there because you're, <laughs> you're hamstrung already by having to give away your two cards, having to take whatever mm. cards the other guy wants. But the people I lived with when I was doing this, um, like one of them was really kind of sadistic about it. Whenever he was president, he'd be like, um, here's the two cards for the asshole, but vice asshole, I want to give them to you and you have to go upstairs and hide them somewhere. And the, the <laughs> asshole went and he's not allowed to move until you come back. And they have to go and, and when he does, yeah, it was so, it was like <laughs> any kind of shaming or public humiliation or whatever that you could think of. So it's a bit like that. Yeah. Not, not quite as, um, drunken and excessive as the version I just described. But I suppose a little bit more accessible to people who don't own The Witcher than the uh, the Witcher card game would be. Yeah. Who needs a deck of cards, I assume? <laughs> That's right. So if you don't have a deck of cards and a sadistic housemate to play asshole with, you can buy a copy of The Witcher. <laughs> yeah. Play that. Play that instead. Um, yeah. But actually, uh, to segue into what our main topic is, you'd not only have to buy The Witcher, you'd also have to buy a PS4, presumably. Uh, or an Xbox One. Or an Xbox One. Or a PC. Or, or just a PC, or a PC but not a, a, a Mac. A PC that could run it, actually, yeah, as well, right, I imagine that really it's quite a high-spec game. Uh, I don't think it, it runs on Macs. Um, but yeah, our topic this week is exclusivity of games. Um, and we thought we'd chat about it. Because E3 is happening. 
Loads of games are being chatted about. That's a game thing. Right? Lots of exclusive games. Uh, it's the uh, Electronic Entertainment Expo. And it's the third time they've done it? No. Because it's in three dimensions? No. I don't know how many times they've done it. It's in the te- late teens or early 20s. I imagine it's been going for roughly close to 20 years. If this was the 20th year, I should know it would have been a lot more fanfare. Yeah, um, and it's something that I've followed, maybe only for the last sort of five years, six years, something like that. I've got into, um, but there's lots of different developer conferences where they'll, you know, all the CEOs from Sony and PlayStation will come out on stage and go, "Hey, these are the games that we've got, yay!" And the developers um, come out and show off their games and things, and then it, it opens up to the public, and there's a big show floor. We can go and try out all of these demos and things mm. in one of the big convention centres in LA. Um, we thought we'd talk about exclusivity because one of the games you want to play, No Man's Sky, yeah. is only going to be available on PlayStation 4 and Windows-based PC, which means that you're really looking forward to it, yeah. but you can't play it because you have neither of those. I'm 400 quid for a PS4 just to play it. Yeah. So uh, I'll buy a Windows boot-up disc and get uh, Boot Camp, I guess. Mm-hmm. Whether the specs for something like No Man's Sky will allow that will then be a yeah. slightly different... But then I can't grumble if my laptop isn't good enough to play it. That's just my fault. But if it's just that I haven't... Well, I mean, maybe I should be upgrading my 360 to a 1. I well, they've, I they have now announced for the Xbox One backwards compatibility. So right. you could sell your Xbox playing. 360 console and keep all of your games. Mm, uh, I'm not cool sure if all of them will work. It, it, I don't think all 360 games work on the Xbox One. But you might find that the, the, the newer games that you're playing now will be you know, usable on your Xbox One. Um, which sort of, I mean, that's one of the, the big mm. issues with jumping up. It's not just exclusivity between... Um, companies it's almost exclusivity of platform as well mm. lots of games are coming out now only as new you know, a lot of them coming out as pc games and you do have to have a, a newer souped up pc to be able to play them um, but the witcher as we said only on playstation 4 and xbox one in terms of console so you cannot play it on your xbox 360 so even if no man's sky was ps4 and xbox one yeah so you would still have yeah you'd still have to jump up to be able to so we're almost on the the cusp of when games, yeah, when well, games are exclusive to the new I mean, consoles. I've had this since like I've probably had my Xbox 360 for ten years. Mm. So I mean, in this day and age, how can you? What technology lasts ten years? Fuck all. No, it still hardly works. anything. I mean, I did get a red. What is it called? The red, red ring of death. Ring of death. That sounded wrong. I was going to say red ring of death, but it just sounded wrong. But. Yeah, I had that at some point, and Xbox repaired it for free. Oh, cool. Um, so that was cool. I mean, it's just outside the warranty, but they were like, don't worry about it. Mm. And <laughs> randomly at the time, I went to a different barber's, which is always a... It's, you know, for, yeah, for women, yeah. it's, I think, a different Ball scenario game. or something. Yeah, exactly. For, for men, I mean, it's different in the cost, for one thing. If it's more than, like, £10, I'm thinking, what the fuck are you... How are you charging that? But... For a woman, if it's like less than £35, it doesn't seem like good enough or whatever. Like, yeah. you want to pay more because that's how I know I'm getting a good haircut. But, um, 
I went to a new guy and the weird thing about it is you have to have like new barber conversation where you don't really know what he's about he doesn't know what you're yeah. about but you know it, unless you've got the balls to just sit there and not say anything for half an hour um, and I don't frankly I have to <laughs> say something I have to make some kind of conversation anyway this guy turned out that he'd bought himself a second Xbox merely so that when his first one inevitably gave him the red ring of death he could send it off to Xbox, spend the two weeks or whatever that he was waiting for it to come back, but not be de- deprived of games in that time. No, no, I've got two Xboxes, mate. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. Just so that I can always play games, even if one of them breaks. I was like, yeah, cool guy. You're a cool guy. I'm never coming back here ever again. You're obviously making too much money from hairdressing to uh, have to worry yeah, about anything else. Anyway, nice. if you're listening, you know who you are. You work in a... In a hairdressers in Clifton, a male-only hairdressers in Clifton, and I'm never going back there. <laughs> this conversation happened in something like 2008, 2009. You know who you are. <laughs> no excuse. Maybe he's no longer a barber. Well, he must still play games, I imagine. Therefore, listens to Tank Tank. So, uh, the game that I really want to play... <laughs> On a different note. <laughs> to, to, to rein it back in, um, is uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Rise of the Tomb Raider. So, Tomb Raider was rebooted yeah. um, maybe two years ago now. I never got, I never, never felt Tomb Raider. It's no? It's just always been a meh. Like, I don't know. I, I, I played the first few it. games which came out on the original PlayStation uh, and enjoyed them. Played a few of the other games that came out on, on PS2 and PS3's Tomb Raider anniversary and a couple of the updated versions. Um, but they rebooted the franchise a couple of years ago. Came out on PS3, which I had at the time. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed the game. There are a few parts about it which which could have been tightened up a little bit, um, but it seems from Rise of the Tomb Raider, which is the sequel, so within the same sort of uh, franchise setting, I suppose, um, along the same sort of story arc um, as a direct sequel, is an Xbox One exclusive. I don't have an Xbox One. Mm. I won't be able to play it. Or it, it's an Xbox One timed exclusive, so it may come out on um, PlayStation Four at some other point. Um, it, it might come out on PC but I games like that I'd rather play I don't know why it's my preference but I'd rather play them on my on my console chase those trophies yeah um, but I'm not going to be able to possibly for a while whether it's a year 18 months 6 months and that depending on if it does come out um, but uh, I bring it up because it's it's quite a big steal for Xbox um, it's a, a big third party game made by Square Enix or published by Square Enix um, and it was it, you know it's set to be a from the, the first one being rebooted and being a very good game it was set to be a massive massive game mm. um, and Microsoft must have paid a shitload of money mm. for that to be an exclusive game um, but I'm not going to go and buy an Xbox One no, just for fair. one game you you know if you've got a PS4 or you you mainly game on PC and you see this plus you then want maybe one of the, the new Halo games that are coming out or the new Gears of War that's just been announced or a couple of the indie games um, something like Cuphead or something which looks awesome um, which are going to you know be Xbox exclusives you might then think about you know, picking up a second console but. Two I'm not. I'm not uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not fussed about a lot of the other not games apart from Tomb Raider with like millions of pounds to spend. Exactly, and and having a you know, I've already got two platforms: having a PlayStation 4 and a PC to yeah, be able right. to play games yeah. on. 
Um, so, so you're talking I'm, about just having a second console, so you'd have three ways of playing games. Mm. And that's just video games when you can kick a football in the park. It's actually any game essentially would be open to you at that point. Yeah. You could buy Risk if you don't already have Risk and play Risk. Very true. Although you could probably get that on PlayStation 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As an app. In fact, you phone. definitely can get that on PlayStation 4. But it's, it's annoying, isn't it, that there are. And like, I've always taken this for granted because ever since there's been consoles, there's been like two teams of console. Yeah. And we've just gone, alright then. So there's just like these guys over here and those guys over there. And I was a Sega guy and I had friends who were Nintendo guys. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, well, I've got Sonic. Oh, well, you've got Mario or whatever. Like, um, so now it's like 25 years later or something and, I, and it's still happening. It's like, oh, okay, so you know that cool game that you like, Halo or whatever, it's just not on the system that you like playing you, you, it's weird like, it, why is, it that? is like I can understand it if um, a game is made by Sony or a company that Sony a developer that Sony own that they would want it just on their console so they're not giving their competitor um, money but at the end well, of the day yeah, for, okay. at the so end of the day like for, con- but for, the, for the end user for the consumer you've then possibly got to go out and if you really want to play one of these games, you know, you really want to play Rise of the Tomb Raider, you don't have an Xbox One, and you're dying to play this game, you would have to go and buy an Xbox One to be able to play it. Mm. And that's a massive investment. So that's, that's like a lot of money. Quid, and then the price of the game... Oh, I think they're about £300 at the moment. All right, but still, I mean, it's, you're not talking still about still 300 quid, yeah, it's, yeah. Well, I, I would understand if they said, look, it's, it's an Xbox game... So on the Xbox it's twenty five pounds and on the PlayStation it's thirty five pounds. Mm. So you can still get it, but there's a premium which reflects the fact that it's not an Xbox subsidized game or something. Then fair enough, but to have it as exclusivity and also like, I mean, so there are games that are trans platform or whatever, but that you can't play with each other. And so I mean, like, I understand that if I'm playing Call of Duty on my Xbox, that someone who's playing on the PC. It, the the um, the way that you interact with the PC is different, so maybe the mouse gives you something better. I mean, Adol would say, I reckon that it would give you a better accuracy. Mm. In, using the mouse is just better than the controller or something. So, like, I guess in that sense, okay, fair enough. Then that shouldn't be, I shouldn't be able to play against someone who's using that. But Xbox to PlayStation, don't really see why. You know, it's like, well, we're both using a pad. I mean, it's why can't I play? Again? So you live next door with your PlayStation. I live here with my Xbox. Why can't I play you on Call of Duty? It's the same game, mm. um, and yeah, I can't. So it's like even it, over a local internet connection. So uh, yeah, could we not do it? No, yeah, we can't. No. Actually, no. Uh, but it's, it ends up being like sort of why can't women play against men when they're playing darts? Like I, I suppose, I guess there's a genetic reason why they can't play rugby against each other because men are just bigger or something, and that's better at rugby. But like darts, for fuck's sake, women can play darts as well as men. Yeah, there's absolutely yeah, no definitely. reason why there's a separate yeah. darts yeah, it is, tournament. It isn't for odd, women. Yeah. and that's just what it's like with with this. It's like there's just an arbitrary distinction, and like here's all the Xbox rankings, so maybe I'm the best Xbox player. doesn't mean I'm the best Call of Duty player, because mm. there's people out there with an exactly equal way of playing it that are not ranked against me merely because they've bought a different console. Yeah, yeah, And completely. that's just pointless. It's stupid. I don't see who benefits out of that. Like, 
even the console. The only the only producers. people that benefit out of that are the executives of the company that have paid it. They only benefit in the very weird way that they're playing some kind of arms race, hoping to outgun and the other company money. and become a monopoly. Yeah, like hopefully. Yeah. And PlayStation must think, hopefully, if their game plan worked, Xbox would be out of the picture. And every time Xbox signs some exclusive deal with Tomb Raider, the PlayStation people are thinking, oh, damn, you know, now our ultimate goal is further away from us, of, like, excluding them from the mm. market. And that, like... So we're just sort of participating in this mutually destructive dance that they're playing with each other. So it's pointless. I mean, get over it, guys. Like, yeah, just, yeah. I mean, even different film companies. Sure, there's like, um, I don't know, name of film company. Uh, <laughs> Universal. Like, yeah, right. Uh, and then some other one, like uh, some other guys. Paramount. But they both make them on CDs or DVDs. You know, you can both you can watch them. You don't have to buy a separate DVD player for your Paramount films. Then you're like, and I'll be stupid, especially if your DVD player costs three hundred quid. You're like, well, I want to see the new Die Hard film. I'm not spending three hundred quid on a Paramount DVD player because I've only got the Universal one or whatever. Like, mm. that would be lame. Yeah. And yet, in the games yeah. industry, because we've all grown up with it being like that, we're just like, okay. It's just the way it is. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, yeah. Got, I suppose it's almost that you've got these two sort of comparable consoles. So, um, you know. A, PlayStation 3 and, and 360 were very comparable in how they worked. PS4 and Xbox One, again, very comparable in their specs and how they work. Yeah. Um, and then you've almost got Nintendo off at the side, <laughs> who the only Wii, sort of make yeah. exclusive games for themselves, which almost, you know, they're almost yeah. an entity into themselves in terms of not being in that in the market almost. They were like, we're not even going to try and keep up with the arms race. Like, it, we're not going to have better graphics. We're not yeah, going to have, yeah. like... And I imagine that if people do have a second console in their home, it's probably a, a yeah. Wii or a Wii U. It's it's one of the sort of the lower priced, lower specs. Well, you know you're going to get sort of uh, more of the exclusive games, the, the Zeldas and the Marios and things like that. Um, and, and they don't sort of figure into this, as we say, sort of console arms race at all. No, no. Um, but... It does bring They're me like to the South America. Of the, <laughs> of the, who cares? I don't know. Some shit. It's just out there. They're doing there, some yeah. stuff and stuff. Um, so it does bring me on to one final point about exclusivity, which we'll talk about after we've started drinking this. Wolf Rock. Wolf Rock, alright. The exceptional red ale. If this isn't actually exceptional, then I'm going to be. Just weep. I, yeah, I probably won't really care. You tune in to hear a man weeping into his glass. Yeah. Is it red? It is. Yes, it's quite red. It, it is quite red. It's not red, red, but it's like a... Oh, it's a brownie. A brown, yeah, that's as red as beer gets. <laughs> a brownie red. Yeah, brownie red. I was going to compare red. it to something then, but uh, I don't think that was too appropriate. Uh, really? Okay, well, don't... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's quite, quite a lot of head on it. It might have been the way I poured it, of course. Yeah. It smells nicer than any of the other ones. That's definitely the best. Yeah. Most flavoured smell that we've had. The um, As we were talking about beers getting better, the Atlantic didn't really, the pale ale didn't really get better the more it sort of went through. But yeah, it was alright. It just was what it was. This is... There is some flavour. Mm. Not much. Again, not much, much flavour. Yeah, it's disappointing. 
So both of the Sharps Brewery beers have both been a little bit... Um, I think we've... I mean, it's too early because I've only had one sip of this, but I'm already thinking we've had one good beer tonight. Yeah. And that was the optical illusion. Yeah. And why they didn't call it optical illusion? No, I'm well, thinking yeah, about yeah, it. I don't know. Why the fuck did they not call it optical illusion? Especially because on the, the bottle, if they'd have put an H on the front of optical, it would have lined it would their have been font the same up. Length, they would yeah. have, uh, the optical and, and infusion, infusion would have been the same length. Yeah. That's very and fucking annoying that they're not. Optical infusion makes a lot more sense than optical infusion. Because as I pointed out before, there's no eyes in it, but there are hops in it. So. There are. You know, I'm definitely winning this argument. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> right. Let's let's drink this. Um, I'm going to make a day called nice. optical infusion. Nice and then you can put it. You can just just carry it into <laughs> se- make your own label. Take it into session. Just put it next to the I'm optical make the label infusion. Almost exactly the same as well. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so to bring it almost back to Call of Duty. Uh, yes. And yeah. exclusivity. The new Call of Duty Black Ops Three. Right. Is going to be, uh, it's going to release the same time on PlayStation Four and Xbox One, which is released the same day. Actually, right? They normally uh, release earlier on Xbox. I think they both release it on the same day, but they they may release slightly earlier. But uh, normally, time, normally Xbox get all of the map packs earlier. They get any of the extra DLC yeah, earlier, and, it, and th- these are considerable time lengths earlier as well—a month, two months yeah, yeah, yeah. difference between sort of one. Although it, not that that conveys any advantage, because as I was saying, it's not like you can cross-platform or cross um, cross-console. Play, no, right? no, very so true. But if you that it, would be it, annoying. But say you've got if you do have both consoles, you've got a PS4 and you've got an Xbox Three Six uh, and an Xbox One. Yeah. If yeah, you yeah. know that you can pick up this. This stuff, and you, you, you know, you really like Call of Duty. You're going to play all of the maps. You're going to buy all of that. You're going to buy it on Xbox One because you know that you can get that stuff before you can get it on PlayStation. 4. And then it does convey an advantage on you it, because it does. you know the maps already. That's true. But if you, so what's happened with Black Ops Three is that Activision have jumped ship from uh, from Microsoft to Sony. Mm-hmm. So. With Black Ops 3, Sony are going to get, and the PlayStation are going to get all right, of the right, map packs right. earlier. So it's than the Xbox. same release date, but just DLC. Yeah, DLC I think so. Like I think it comes okay. out on the same day, but um, you know, and it might be that now uh, the PlayStation 3 version has got out of the box additional content to be able to, whether it's just a gun or a different, you know, a couple of extra maps or something like that. But they've sort of. You know, they've obviously paid Activision more money than Microsoft were willing to pay, or they mm. came in at the end and, and, and did a different sort of. I don't know how it works in terms of how you bid for these sort of things, but it seems that Sony are almost one step ahead. Of, you know, since the, the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One's launch, Sony seems to have been one step ahead of this thing. And they came in very early with exclusives on a lot of indie games, and, and you know, 360 was known. For having a shitload of really good indie games yeah, come out yeah, on there yeah. exclusively or come out on there first. PlayStation have done that this time. Um, Destiny, the, the other big shooter that came out almost towards the start of the, this console generation, PlayStation have had more of the, the marketing deals and such, and you've been able to get the better bundles with, with getting in PlayStation. And they now seem to have stolen Call of Duty from Xbox, which was a massive thing for Xbox. Uh, you know, Sort of when I think of something like yeah. uh, when I think of Xbox, you think of Call of Duty, uh, and, and it's like the highest-grossing game ever. <laughs> Stupid like that. Isn't it? Yeah, and it's 
it, most people play it on Xbox, and it was always mm. seen that Xbox players were. Well, the, the game was almost a much higher pace on Xbox than it was on PlayStation. Maybe that was to do with the ergonomics of the control um, and the way that sort of the triggers worked. Because uh, a lot of people uh, suggest that the, the Xbox 360 controller was a lot better than the PlayStation 3 controller and the way that it's laid out and the build quality. Um, you know, uh, it's m- more the like mapping the buttons and things. Um, but it, it seems that Sony have just swooped in and gone. Who cares about any of that? You know, and it, it, it would have been that people during the, the console generation, you know, when they jumped consoles, um, they may have gone straight to Xbox One because all of their friends were already on there, because they all play Call mm. of Duty together or that, you know, something else, they all play FIFA together. And they know that a lot of their friends are going to jump up. Whereas now with PlayStation pipping Xbox One or pipping uh, Microsoft, sorry, to this and having this exclusive timed package coming out before it comes out on on the Xbox maybe they're trying to you know they are obviously trying to steal people but they're trying to steal people like you who haven't upgraded to the next generation of console mm. yet and, and you know if you were a massive Call of Duty player and you you do enjoy Call of Duty I do yeah do you think this would something like this is that going to change the well, idea no, of which console I mean, you might buy I'm I don't really care I mean what's the delay between the two is it like three months it says two months something like that I don't well know. then no because I'm I mean if um, I mean I'm 32 right I'm not like 16 mm. so if all my mates were all playing Call of Duty with me every night um, like they probably would be if I was currently 16 um, then maybe I would feel like I needed to have the game quite quickly because all my friends were playing it and telling me about how good the new levels were and whatever, mm. blah, blah, blah. Um, but then again, if I was 16, I wouldn't have 300 quid yeah, to splash well, out true. on a, Very true. Xbox. But um, I'm 32 and I still don't have 300 <laughs> But um, I'm quite happy to play it when it comes down to like you know, 30 quid, 32 quid rather than 45 quid. Mm. Like, you uh, buy it a couple of months like, later anyway. Yeah. Like the best, basically fifty quid for Call of Duty. The, the days have gone when I'm willing to pay that because it will be. I, I like Call of Duty. I, I, I've sunk hundreds of hours playing that game uh, in uh, in its various manifestations. Whatever. Like I, I like it. I like first person shooters. It's a, it's a very good first person shooter in general. There's differences between the different ones. But anyway, my point is that even me, I'm like a lifelong first person shooter player. I really like it. I'm still, I still feel like fifty quid's too much mm. to ask. Yeah, yeah. It, it's gonna be basically the same game. I mean, yeah, there'll be like tweaks. Like when Black Ops came out and it was like co-op online play, that was a tweak that would genuinely change the way that, it, that things happen. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, is that worth fifty quid on its own? I mean, I'm not sure it is. I mean, like, and the Advanced Warfare, you like it. Mm. Happy to never play that again. No, I'd imagine or from what I've seen, sort of Black Ops Three goes a bit more in that direction. So yeah, a bit more of uh, that's bullshit. A bit more a, a future setting, a bit more of a jumping in, jumping all this jumpy around <laughs> bullshit. Like 
There's no need People for like the verticality. Verticality is not a word, for one thing. And <laughs> if it was it a, word, a word, it would it pick out a, a concept that isn't needed. So there's no point in it as a word. Working it's... in a 3D space. Yeah, it is a 3D space. I could jump already, and I could go up ladders, and there were different forms. It already was 3D, so yeah, there was verticality yeah, yeah. in there. So it's adding nothing other than a lack of realism. Fucking, all right, give me one of those, you know those um, hats that, I don't know, what they are like American kind of like hat thing with a tiny little propeller that sits on the top yeah you know the thing I yeah yeah give me one of them and allow it to actually let me levitate <laughs> it wouldn't make the game better would it it would just add a sense of like farcical unrealism that's what the jumping thing already does yeah it's just like well now I'm, I'm jumping around like some non-human non-realistic thing so that's just made it shitter basically I mean, if it said like I could Move through walls, so now there's a lack of wallicality that was previously <laughs> blocking your movement to it. Not really. It just means that there's like I'm now no longer like a human. I like the word wallicality. Yeah, exactly. It's a made-up word that expresses a concept. So great, it's a word according to that previous definition, but it doesn't mean anything. And if it did mean something, it would mean something shit. That's fair. And so that's my that's my case. <laughs> Fuck that. So. Exclusivity, bullshit. And it is Nobody bullshit. Wins. It is bullshit. No one wins. You're right. Apart from CEOs and high up execs no, of it's companies. it's an arms race. And but they still make. It is an arms race. Who but won a, An arms race in which they make more money in, based on how well Why? they do. Why? How do they make more money? Well, bonuses and some such. Surely, if they don't hit sales targets and figures and things like that, they're not going to get as big of a uh, lump sum payment as they possibly that, would do anyway. Even if that's true. That's not the pro- That's not the reason why they do it. That's. I mean, like that. That's just what they do. Given that there is this binary opposition thing, it's not the cause of the binary opposition. I mean, like they're just profiteering off the fact that there is one, even if that's true. And which I'm not. But they must have that created that. Essentially, it's got created like the Cold War. You Nobody that, benefits out so of that situation. It just happens to be there when it originated. So you, you say you've got Sega versus Nintendo. Nintendo make a lot of their own games. Sega make a lot of their own games. So you're going to have it on your system. You've built it for this for your system. Yeah. Okay. And and you know. A, a, probably found that a lot of Nintendo games wouldn't be able to be ported over to, say, uh, you know, the Mega Drive or one of the Sega consoles. Whereas now, with everything being so agnostic and and being able to be being able to be built for both, uh, yeah, okay, you know, for all sorts of systems and then being based yeah. upon the same architecture, it can only come down to money, surely. But why does that have to be two? Rather than, I mean, I guess with the Wii there's three, but like realistically there's there's two for the same game. It doesn't need to be two. Like I said before, with DVDs, you've got two competing film producers. It doesn't need to but be. But there isn't two competing ways of showing the film that can only be shown on one. It's just a weird artifact of the games industry that there has, like, um, an ecosystem that just weirdly, by pure chance, grows in a certain way, so that like. You know, there's only spiders and scorpions in this cave that you stumble upon that's not had anyone go in it for millions of years. You just random that's just randomly how the games industry evolved. It's it's a it's a binary yeah. system. There's no need for that. There could be loads or there could just be one. Or it could be we should just I guess I'm 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 advocating a nationalisation 
of games consoles. <laughs> so there's only one, and we don't now have to suffer. The we bring it back random... to the state and its government. Uh, yeah, government produced, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's the the weird twist of fate that the open market <laughs> happens to decree. But that's, there's no re- reason for that. In fact, it's a case study in the bad things about capitalism, and then we should nationalise it. Ooh. Yeah, I think I've opened up yeah. a whole can of worms, a can of shitty worms. So, do you guys think exclusivity is a good thing or a bad thing? We think it's a bad thing. We think yeah, it's shit. Yeah. Um, but we're going to finish here. Let's talk about these beers that we drank. All right, they're mainly shit. They are mainly the, shit, what unfortunately. Should be called infusion. Which is quite nice, but I think it was only nice because of the extra whiskey element to it. It didn't, didn't get a massive um, amount. Yeah, but I've had whiskey infused, or well, like whiskey barrel aged beers mm. before. Um, that basically just tasted of whiskey, and at least that like had a noticeable yeah. whiskey element in it. But it, the beer was big enough in there that it was able to like absorb the whiskey influence without it dominating too much. And like whiskey, let's be honest, is a dominant flavour. Like an over dominant flavour. Mm. If you have a whiskey cocktail, you can normally taste the whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, it, it, like, they'd, it's a small bar to clear, but I suppose they cleared the bar of like realising that if they were going to make a whiskey infused beer, the beer needs to be big enough to not make it not just taste of whiskey. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I give them that. Whereas everyone else that we've drunk tonight, the Saison, maybe they had, someone had cynically and deliberately decided that the Saison needed to basically taste like lager with a tiny bit of lemonade dribbled into it so that people who have no discernment whatsoever would enjoy it. I mean, if that's what they were doing, then bingo, well done, <laughs> you hit the bullseye. But if you were trying to make a good beer that actually tastes like a Saison, mm. then um, even though I granted that it got slightly better, it, it wasn't anything to write home, and I gladly never drink that again. Yeah. Same um, for both of the Sharps Brewery beers. Yeah. Even I mean, this red IPA is not sort of sat well further on. It's, it's just it's just nothing. There's nothing to them. So, so that shows... Ignore them. If you want good craft beer, don't go to Tesco's. Don't fucking go to Tesco's. And go generally, to, just don't go to Tesco's. Go, go to a bottle shop, yeah. order them online from people like Honest Brew, yeah. uh, various different... Or make it yourself. Or make it yourself. Yeah. Download John Palmer's book, How to Brew, which is free, and... Anyone can brew beer, given just what that says. Oh, and the dog's woken up now. And Wilma has awoken, Hello. so we will finish. <laughs> we um, will finish. Ooh, oh, that was terrible. That was It was. It was. Uh, we have been Hello. tanked up. You can get us at tanked up <laughs> underscore cast. I'm at Nova underscore 47. Adil, who will be back at some point, is at the Omniarch on Twitter. Wilma have the last word. is going to let Wilma finish us off. But she's not saying anything now. Okay, fine. Well, in that case, she was. <laughs> she hates everyone. I still am not on Twitter. Anyway, whatever. Bye. Bye.